Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter. And we're back with the Empty the Notebook episode, right? From the Combine. I know we've been on a little hiatus. We're working on a little behind the scenes stuff here with this Breaking Big Blue podcast. I'm going to have to ask you to hang with me here these next few weeks, maybe the next month or two. We're working some things out. We're going to try to keep it as regular as possible, but I don't know how that's going to go. I promise you, I'm trying my best to produce episodes. I'm trying my best to position this podcast the best it can be moving forward. And uh, there's just some things that need to be taken care of that are really out of my hand and, and behind the scenes. But in the meantime, I was on vacation, went to Cabo, came back, home for one day, head off to Indianapolis. And that's where the notebook gets filled with Giants nuggets galore. And I'm ready to just dump weeks of information on you right now. So we'll start off with the current roster. We'll get into free agency. And then we'll finish off with the draft because technically people love the draft. And that's what the Combine's supposed to be all about. It's not really what it's all about. And I'll give you a little breakdown of what it's like at the Combine. I mean, besides you know, drinking your face off, staying out until ungodly hours that you're just not used to at this age uh, for multiple days in a row, which is just crazy because I can't handle it. Most of us can't handle it, but we do it anyway. And uh, it leads to just a debauchery in Indianapolis. So I'll get, I'll get to that in a little bit. I got, I got a, a funny story of my, uh, of, of the fake wink, wink Martindale story. So stay tuned for that at the end. But first we'll start off with the current roster. The giants are going to have to take an ax to it. We know that it is, uh, they're stuck financially this year, just this year, they're healthy past this year. Like they set it up. It was set up to be, Good, competitive last year, eight, nine, nine and eight. And then this year, all their numbers, all the money would hit this year. They would improve through the draft by all the draft capital they had, and they'd still be in good shape. But they stunk last year. So they went four and 13, the Giants. So now they went four and 13, and they got to take it on the chin this year with the money, get rid of some of their better players or maneuver around some of their better players and figure out the money on them on a 4-13 and roster. And so you're really not going to get much better with a 4-13 and roster if you're adding all rookies, right? They're, those are long-term investments. How many rookies pay off rookie in their first year? The answer is not a lot. So now the Giants are here. They have a list of moves. Near the top is figuring out something with James Bradbury's contract. Now, this stuff could be resolved by the time this podcast publishes or, or soon thereafter. But James Bradbury, my opinion, he either likely traded. Okay. They got to do something. He's counts $21.8 million against the salary cap. All right. So he's likely to get traded. Uh, not because he's a bad player, not because they want to get rid of him, but because they need to create money against the salary cap. And he's the easiest solution, right? Because he doesn't count $21.8 million for the other team that he gets traded to. The Giants, some of that is his bonuses, money that's spread out that they've already paid. So if he goes to another team, 
He only counts $13.5 million. So it's one year, $13.5 million. Okay. For a high-end cornerback, that's that's not that's not so bad. That's not the end of the world. Now, what are other teams gonna give up for that? That's a good question. That's uh that's a fair question. A mid-round pick, I think you're you're looking at there. And then James Bradbury, I mean, sorry, Blake Martinez and Sterling Shepard. Those are two contracts that are likely to be adjusted. We'll get into that more when when those are done. Okay. And then so those are near the those are moves that are near the top of the list. Lower down on the list, let's say there's 10 items. Let's say item number seven might be trading Saquon Barkley, which obviously is one that draws a lot of attention. Talking about the number two overall pick in the draft, what, four years ago? So if he gets traded, it's a big move. It's not that, and and the, the value of Saquon, and I wrote a story on this. I asked people around the combine, GMs, executives, coaches, what they thought Saquon would be worth in a trade. And man, you're talking like fourth round picks, fifth round picks, two fifths, maybe a fourth and a sixth, I think was the best that somebody told me. So the the return isn't great. Now you do save $7 million and get something back on a player that the likelihood is you're not going to sign long term. I mean, Saquon Barkley's entering his fifth season. He's been injured the last three seasons. Okay. So this will be his fifth season. Anyone who signs him, Moving forward after this year, you're signing for the production of year six through eight of a running back who has had trouble staying healthy. Who's going to make that investment right now? Who's going to make that investment and put up guaranteed money? So the likelihood is the Giants. It's not the Giants, the position they're in. So the move for them really is to be to move off. Not because of it can't play. You talk to people around the league, they still think healthy Saquon Barkley is a really good player. And I agree. But making that investment in him long-term for a team where the Giants are, and what are they keeping him for this year? I know they're thinking. They're keeping him because they don't want to leave Daniel Jones bare bones with nothing to work with. That's why Sterling Shepard also likely to be back. Like They want to still give Daniel Jones a shot to see what he has be working with. He's, he needs something to work with, right? But on the flip side, the Giants aren't going anywhere this year. I just told you they have a 4-13 and roster where they have to get off some of their better players. So what are they winning? Nothing. So why keep Saquon this year? Get something in return. To me, that would be the move that I would explore. Doesn't seem like it's likely at this point, but still possible. And I even had, I mean, the Giants in free agency. I mean, because they're, they're stuck against the cap. They got to get healthy this year. Next year, they'll be good, be in good shape, have money. Hopefully, I think the plan will probably be to roll some ca- draft capital over into next year, right? And when it's supposed to be, A, a better draft, people say this draft is, is not a good draft at all, and B, they might need a quarterback, which actually should be A, because obviously the most important position on a football team is quarterback. So I had someone in the organization actually joke with me. They told me I should basically, they're like, you could basically take the month of March off. Meaning that free agency, this team is not going to be making any big moves. And I'll get to some of the names I heard in a minute, but they just don't have the financial flexibility to make those big moves at this point. They would love to be at the top of that guard market. They got no guards right now. Who's their guards? Shane Lemieux, who's coming off a serious knee injury. I mean, he he's their, their only real starting caliber guard under contract. And even then, who knows if he's a starting caliber guard? He played as a rookie, had a serious, you know, he was a mid-round rookie, fifth-round rookie, played, was okay, good in the run game, struggled in the pass game, 
had hopes for him year two, suffered a pretty serious knee injury, needed surgery. Now is coming back. You're going to lock that in? They would love to go for an Austin Corbett from the Rams or Lincoln Tomlinson from the 49ers. But I'm not sure if that's even realistic. They're not even sure if that's realistic. So you saw a move by the Giants. I'm taping this on Wednesday night. So a move by the Giants on Wednesday. They signed Matt Gano. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right, but G-O-N-O. It's going to be confusing if it's pronounced Gano, same as Graham Gano, considering both on the roster. But anyway, Matt Gano, a guy that comes from Atlanta. Atlanta tendered him last year, I believe second round tender. So his number was pretty high, but he suffered a major injury and he missed the whole year. Now he's coming back. Atlanta didn't want to commit to that money. So now the Giants are taking a shot at him. Like those are the kind of bargain hunting moves that you're going to see from the Giants this offseason. I mean, they're shopping from the bargain bin to restock a 4-13 and roster. I wouldn't expect the Giants to be great this year, ladies and gentlemen. Think about that for a second. 4-13 and roster filling holes from the bargain bin. Counting on rookies to play substantial roles. Not the way you win in the NFL, generally. Might be another tough year for the blue. The blue. Never called him the blue before. Where the heck did that come from? Now, the one move in free agency that would create a semi-splash, and the Giants are going to be in on him. They have interest in him. Talk to multiple sources, team, league, that say Mitchell Trubisky is a player that might end up on the Giants roster. They're going to make a run at him. There's a lot of factors that go into it for Trubisky. You know, he remember Trubisky, number two overall pick, played for the Bears, bad situation. Matt Nagy wasn't great. Accuracy, definitely a concern. But he's basically another crapshoot. Giants had him. Competition for Daniel Jones. Let the two of them compete. See who wins out. Basically, double. you're, you're taking two crapshoots instead of one. Double your odds on potentially striking, you know, finding lightning in a bottle. With one of the two of them. You know, they need a backup quarterback. We saw what happened last year. So to have a good veteran backup, especially if Jones, I'm assuming, let's say Jones wins out, Trubisky ends up to backup if he signs. Then you at least have a contingency for a quarterback in Daniel Jones. Quite frankly, is that trouble, trouble staying healthy? He has not played 16 games in any of his three seasons. He has, been, he has missed games because of injury in each of those three seasons. So the Giants need another quarterback. And I spoke to people around Indianapolis and something that I found interesting. I was asking about veteran quarter, quarterbacks around the league. You know, the Giants showing interest in your guy. I think they're going to show interest. And what a bunch of them told me was that the Giants are looking for a mobile quarterback. So they want, and remember, Daniel Jones is athletic and mobile. Josh Allen, who Brian Dable worked with in Buffalo, athletic and mobile. So the Giants want, and, and Mitch Trubisky also, athletic and mobile. The Giants want someone that they could kind of, if it's not Daniel Jones, that they could fit into that Daniel Jones mold of a quarterback, which Mitchell Trubisky is. You know, good physical tools, can do some things, change the scenery might benefit benefit for him. I talked to, you know, uh, an offensive coordinator about this, and he he told me, you know, it's worth it's worth a shot on a team where you throw him into a competition. And that's what this would be. Now, the money factor and the competition factor is what might prevent the Giants from getting Mitchell Trubisky because we already talked about the Giants being tight against the cap. Another team like the Steelers, the Saints, Washington's now out of it after they traded for 
um, Carson Wentz, but maybe Indianapolis, Seattle, all places that Mitchell Trubisky goes, he's, he comes in in day one, he's, he's the assumed starting quarterback. He comes to the Giants, he's 1B. Daniel Jones takes the first snap when they start minicamp probably. So opportunity is a big thing here. This might not be the best opportunity for Mitchell Trubisky. And then the money side of it. Other teams might have more money to offer. Pretty much everybody does. Maybe the Saints are kind of stuck like the Giants. They have to structure things very carefully. But the way this would probably work is Trubisky would get like a one-year, $5 million deal. And then there would be a lot of incentives in there to get him to $10, $12 million, somewhere in that range, with incentives if he ends up being the starter, if he ends up being a successful starter. That's how these deals for these kind of quarterbacks usually work. So, but. If one of these other teams that has more money offers more guaranteed money, that means a lot to Mitchell Trubisky. More guaranteed money, more opportunity, key selling points. What the Giants have working for them is Brian Dable, Joe Shane, coming from the Bills. They have that relationship with Trubisky. Brian Dable is known to have a very strong relationship with Mitchell Trubisky. Mitchell Trubisky also loves Davis Webb, who's now with the Giants. So the thought of that being part of his quarterback room, very intriguing to him. Listen to Adam Schefter's podcast. He talked to Mitchell Trubisky. You kind of get that vibe right there. So, but if it's not Trubisky, if he decides to go elsewhere, which is, I would say, a strong possibility, the other mobile quarterbacks that fit that mold. Don't know if the Giants are interested in them, interested in them specifically. We'll know more in the next few days. Marcus Mariota, Case Keenum. Tyrod Taylor, Jacoby Brissett. Those are the guys that kind of stuck out to me. And like we said, the Giants need a capable veteran backup quarterback. They need that, whether it's Trubisky or someone else. So you got to go after one of these guys. Now, the market for them is not, I mean, guys like Case Keenum, Jacoby Brissett, you're talking like in that $4 million range, Tyrod Taylor, $5 million range, something like that. Three, four, or five million dollar range. So, gonna have to pay something. And that's a position the Giants are obviously gonna prioritize here. Now, they need a tight end. I heard a name that to keep an eye on would be Will Disley. But again, money could figure into that. Is he, a, if he's a four million, five million dollar tight end, I heard the Giants might not be able to afford him. If they could get him relatively cheap in that three million dollar range, that might be something that they end up going after. Take a shot on him again. Bargain basement shopping, bargain hunting. Talking about a guy with an injury history there. So you're kind of taking a flyer on him. And if they can't afford him, they're going to have to dip down to like the Jesse James, Tyler Croft range. And if you notice here, it seems like the Giants probably going in that inline tight end mold with these tight ends. Look to add another one in the draft. It's supposed to be a strong mid-round tight end draft. We'll get into more of that in future weeks. but. Expect the Giants to add a tight end in the middle rounds. Remember, Buffalo, Joe Shane, when he was there, Dawson Knox, mid-round pick. So that seems to be how the Giants are going to fill that position this offseason. As for the offensive line, that's a tough one. I mean, they're going to be looking anywhere and everywhere for bargains in that. Cheap, but uh, high-reward offensive lineman at pretty much every position. You know, they need a tackle. They need a guard. They need a, a contingency at center. Who knows? Will, Ga- uh, Will Gates. I just uh, combined two guys. 
Nick Gates is expected to come back. I heard he's doing well. But can you really pencil that in and count on that at this point? That would be poor planning. So you need to address center. You need to address guard, both guard spots. You need to address right tackle. You could conceivably say the Giants need four starters on the offensive line. I'll compromise and give you their Gates or Lemieux starts, so they need three starting offensive linemen between the draft and free agency. Now, I told you they would like to go after Corbett, Austin Corbett. And there's a way, even if he makes $10 million a year, to structure a deal so that the year one cap hits fairly low. You know, you, you take that signing bonus, you spread it out over three years, you keep his base salary for year one low. So you could keep that, let's say, $4 million against the cap. $3 million against, and I don't know if you could do three. <laughs> you probably can't do three. But you could probably keep it in, you know, fairly low against the cap. Now, the likelihood, though, is they're going to have to dip down into the lower range. The Mark Lewinsky, Glowinski types. The Connor Williams types. Maybe Alex Cap, something like that. The idea, though, is to get one veteran offensive lineman, preferably a guard. That's what it seems like from talking to people around the league. Get one veteran guard, add some tackle, a tackle, uh, an interior guy in the draft as well, and sort of look for the Matt Gano types out there. Waiver claims. You're going to see the Giants very active in waiver claims, those kind of things. So that's where they stand. Also, I wouldn't be very optimistic they bring many of their guys back. Will Hernandez seems like he's gone. Um, Evan Ingram. Seems like he's got to end. And by the way, I know some people are out there saying everything is going to bank, collect all this money. Look, he's still there's been guys that have been tagged like Mike Kosicki, Dalton Schultz, David Njoku. I mean, out there are still Zach Ertz, Rob Gronkowski, CJ Uzoma, Robert Tanya, Jared Cook, all guys that are even or better than Evan Ingram. So he didn't, he's not all of a sudden going to make all this money. He's the estimates out there are like. Five to six million, five to seven million dollar range, I think is fair for Evan Ingram. And seven would be high. Somebody really would be taking a shot at him at that at that price. But we'll see. I don't th- I don't see that foresee that being with the Giants. Don't know that for sure, but it seems to be heading in that direction. Uh the one interesting one I'm I'm curious about out there is Lorenzo Carter. About him potentially returning. And I do see that as a possibility. I see him as the notable giant who's out there that has the best chance of returning. Now, if someone out there looks at those last four games of his, five games, and says, look, he's, he got back, he got healthy, this is what he can be, and decides to give him a nice, healthy contract with a good amount of money, goodbye. Goodbye. The Giants won't be able, won't be able to pay him. That's the situation they're in right now. As for the draft, you know, because you go to the combine, and those guys are actually running and working out and doing drills and getting measured and all the stuff that pertains to the draft, same time that all this talking is going on behind the scenes of, of Indianapolis. The top of the draft, in my opinion, from what I could tell, from talking to people around the league, if, if Evan Neal or Icky, I'm going to call him for now, or, or, or Ikum Equanu, I think I'm, I think I'm getting this right. I think that for every draft guest we have moving forward, we're going to have them try to pronounce that name. Ikum Equanu, Icky, they call him. If either of those two guys are available in the Giants pick at five, I think it'd be a rather easy selection. I think that they would they would be the Giants pick, no doubt about it, if they're available, depending on, I guess, who drops down. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, not going to make it to the Giants. We know that. Likely going to be the number one pick. Now, the other guy that I would keep an eye on, that I have heard a lot of things, a lot of connections to the Giants, that they're very high on him, is Sauce Gardner. 
the cornerback from Cincinnati. Now think about it. If they let James Bradbury go and they trade him, and the other cornerbacks are Dory Jackson, who's not a long-term solution and is never should be considered number one cornerback anyway. Sauce Gardner makes a lot of sense for the Giants. A lot of sense. And you're getting a lot of really positive reviews. Long, big, tough, ran well for his size. And the comp are the Cromarties, Antonio and, and DRC. Dominique. I mean, those were some pretty good cornerbacks in the NFL. So I, I'm keeping my eye very closely on Sauce Gardner as we move forward here. Kayvon Thibodeau is the real question mark here. You hear some things about him. You hear some things that, that make teams hesitant. I don't want to get into them because I, don't, I haven't done enough research on them at this point to know the validity of it in regards to, you know, maybe effort, some of the things going on around him, who he is, but it's definitely something to keep in mind as we move forward here. And and you hear, because you hear about him, you hear people dropping him down in the draft, and you're like, why? Why? That doesn't make sense. This guy has too much talent to drop down. So it looks like there might be some questions around him, effort included, because I know some people just didn't see it consistently from him on tape, that have some people concerned about Kayvon Thibodeau. But we'll see. I'm not saying he's not a top five pick. I could totally see the Giants drafting him fit, but I need to look more into that. I don't know at this point. And Charles Cross as well, the offensive tackle, Mississippi State. Unknown on him at this point. If they have if he's there at five or seven, how that you know, if, if that's a guy that I feel like they would they would go after. Now, some names that I am definitely watching. And maybe it's at seven. Likely it's maybe even at, at you know, the Giants end up trying to move back. But the those the edge rusher market is the edge rushers in this top of this draft are strong, are pretty strong. It fits well for them. So David Ojabo at Michigan, a guy I heard a lot of connected to the Giants. Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, another guy I heard connected to the Giants. So that like second group of, of edge rushers could be the Giants one the Giants want to get into. Maybe it's at seven. Maybe it's moving back. I don't know. We'll have to see how it plays out over the next, what, 50 or so days. But those are those are some of the names that I, I in going to Indy, talking to people, listening to people. Those are the names that kind of stuck out to me. We'll get we'll go dig a lot deeper into it as we move forward here in the next few weeks. But in the meantime, on to the next one. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. 
Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, we're going to finish up here with a quick Jordan on the beat of what it's like to be in Indianapolis at the Combine, where it's really just an S show, man. I mean, seriously. I mean, you're going out to like 3, 4 in the morning. I mean, I, I, I didn't make it that late, but you know, some people are out to like 5 or 6 in the morning. Just drinking their faces off, hanging out with people around the league. I mean, everyone's there. So out at night, you could bump into coaches, general managers, uh, executives, scouts. I mean, you name it, media, TV, radio. There's all kinds of people from around the league out at these like four or five places. You know, the Marriott Bar, the uh, JW Marriott Bar. Prime 47 stays open till like 6 a.m. or till you want to leave. Just for the combine. And so you're going around, you're going to places, everybody's going to eat at the same places, you know, the the uh, St. Omos, Harry and Izzy's famous steakhouses in uh, Indianapolis. And, you know, do it for three nights in a row, you just feel like a mess. So anyway, one night I go out and I meet Evan Silva, right? If you, you, you listen to this podcast, you know who Evan Silva is. If you follow the NFL, you probably know who Evan Silva is. Big uh, fantasy DFF, DFS guy. And just general football. And he worked for Roto World forever. Knows his football. So I go to meet him for a drink because I like him. Great guy. My buddy. And I get there and he's like, yo, your boy Wink. Martindale's right here at the bar. A couple seats over. So look over. Guy, you know, resembles Wink Martindale. I'm like, oh, cool. I'll have to go introduce myself at some point. But I'm staring at it probably for like, 10 or 15 minutes, you know, like side-eyeing him every once in a while. I'm like, is it really Wink Martindale? New Giants defensive coordinator. Is that really him? Like, And this is what it's like at the combine. You're looking out for guys, especially with the, when you're in the situation the Giants are. This is my biannual tradition here. I got to go and introduce myself to everyone, uh, you know, the new staff. Two years ago, it's where I, I made the my first, got to know Joe Judge. End up in some you know, CAA, which is an agency Sweet, drinking with Joe Judge and Freddie Kitchens and Jerry Shaplinsky, like in half the coaching staff, till like three, four in the morning, something like that. So I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I got to introduce myself to all these guys around Indianapolis, and I hadn't met Wink at that point yet. So I'm like, yeah, you know, that that kind of looks like him, but he's wearing. And then I noticed, wait a minute, no, he's wearing Ravens gear. You can't wear your old team's gear. So I'm thinking to myself, nah, you know, that. So the uh, Jane Slater who works for NFL Network, is standing next to me at that point. I'm like, is that Wink Martindale, do you know? And so she pulls this move. She goes over to him and goes, you know, you look really familiar to me. I'm Jane. And he says his name. And his, so it's Mike Devlin. He's an assistant offensive line coach for the, the Ravens. But essentially, he's like a Wink doppelganger. Not really, but if you go look at him, you can see the resemblance. Bigger, older white guy, 
uh, grayish goatee. You know, I, I I don't think it's crazy that if if you're mistaken that. But she pulled off that. That was a good move. You know, you look familiar. Do I know you? And then he says his name. So smart thinking there by Jane. Saved me the embarrassment of calling, going over to this guy, pretending he was Wink and trying to have a conversation with him and not and then not being Wink. So these are the kind of things that go on as uh, and the alcohol is flowing at the same time. So these kind of mistakes can happen all the time. And shoot, I talked to so many people that I have no idea what their names were this week. So last week, so many people. Now I did bump into Wink and the defensive staff. Really funny part is later that night, sat down with them, got to know them, you know, what, what they're all about, told them what I'm all about. It's sort of like an introductory meeting. Had a couple of drinks with them. They were they were, you know, ordered some food after coming back from the combine, uh, the actual combine where the players worked out one night. So uh it was good to get to know them. Seems like a good crew. Very encouraging after meeting them to think that, okay, I could see these guys being successful. And they were. He had he had some success in Baltimore. There's no doubt about that. Go look, go look at the defensive ranks. And Wink seems like a good guy. Honest, open, forthright. And I, you could tell that's why players like him. He, you could tell this is the kind of guy he's not going to BS. He's not going to BS you. He's going to be straight up with you and tell you what's going on. And uh, he's not going to sugarcoat anything. And he's going to do things his way or you're going to be gone. I'll tell you that right now. So impressed by him. Uh, and uh, really, the Giants coaching staff in general, Brian Dable, super nice guy. You hear so many good things about Brian Dable and Joe Shane. Like you really, I haven't heard many negatives at all. It's been a lot of positives about them. They're, they're pretty good. They should be good. They should be better. That's all you hear. Now, we're at the point of this progression with the Giants organization. We're like, I'll believe it when I see it at this point. Right? Because they, they've stung. They're the, the worst team in the NFL or tied for with the Jets since 2017. So last five years, the worst organization team in the NFL. So until we see it, we're not going to believe it. That's how I feel covering the team. Like, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. But the super early returns are positive on the individuals that are going to be running the show. Brian Dable, Joe Shane, Mike Kafka had a chance to meet him. He had no voice by the time I talked to him, too. I mean, literally zero voice left. I could barely hear him when I introduced myself to him. And then Wing Martindale. So encouraging start for the Giants' new regime. We'll see what it means when it comes to football. But as always, hey, reach out. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, email. We'll do a Giants After Dark soon. It might be live on one of those platforms, especially with uh, this podcast frequency currently unknown. I think we'll definitely transition at least one or two of those during free agency to social media. So tell me if you prefer Instagram or Twitter. Uh, reach out to me any way, any way you can. You know how to reach me. As always, like, subscribe. Tell your friends we got to grow this podcast. Also, I'm thinking about going on to YouTube, making a YouTube channel for the podcast, giving it more exposure. Let me know what you think about that. I want to hear, hear your feedback. Good idea, bad idea. Hey, why not? What's the downside? Do you know anyone that, you, that goes on and watches podcasts on YouTube? I heard there are a lot of people out there. I don't know them. Maybe you do. But that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'm Jordan Ronan. See you next time.